Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. What happens when people begin to evangelize for the first time? That's one of the things we're going to talk about with Aaron Myers. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 252. When God actually uses them in the harvest, it's it's just really life-giving, and people are just so excited. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for stopping by, and welcome to the show. Our goal is to equip, challenge, and inspire you. And I do want to mention that this show is made possible in part by generous support from people like you. Before we get started, I want to say a quick welcome to Shandi, Bud, Tulani, and Barbara, who all recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. If you haven't already, that's a great place to connect, facebook.com slash engagingmissions. And also, I did want to mention that I do have an email newsletter for the show. So if you're interested in having the show notes delivered with all of the links already in them into your email inbox every time it comes out, as well as a personalized note from me, you can visit engagingmissions.com and subscribe. Subscribe to the email newsletter right there, and I'll send that right to you. This week, we're going to be talking about equipping believers to reach Muslims, and I'm going to have for you a quick update on our growing partnership. This week, our guest is Aaron Myers. He and his family worked as part of a church planning team in Turkey from 2008 to 2012. Now he's in the U.S. and he's working with Crescent Project and MB Mission as regional mobilizer. And he's also the creator of Everywhere to Everywhere, a three-day missional training event. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. All right, today I'm incredibly happy to have with me Aaron Myers. He and his family worked as part of a church planning team in Turkey from 2008 to 2012. Now he's working with Crescent Project and MB Mission as a regional mobilizer, and he's also the creator of Everywhere to Everywhere, a three-day missional training event. Aaron, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Brian. It's great to be with you tonight. Oh, it's great to connect with you. I'm I'm so jazzed to be able to have this conversation. As we're getting started, I'm intrigued a little bit about this time that you spent in Turkey. You spent about four years there, and I've got kind of a couple things jumbled around in my head. One is, what were you doing there? And then the other question is, and what was it that led you to leave? So let's let's kind of start with what was going on in Turkey. Yeah, well, we, we actually didn't necessarily want to go to Turkey. It wasn't on our hearts, but we have some friends that are there, and they emailed us saying, hey, we, we feel like we're supposed to expand our team. Hmm. Your name keeps coming up. Would you guys pray about joining us? And so we, we joke with people now that we made the mistake of praying about it because the Lord made it abundantly clear that he wanted us to go to Turkey. And, and it was really a, a journey of obedience for, for my wife and I. And we had a one-and-a-half-year-old and a, a three-and-a-half-year-old at the time. Hmm. And 
Turkey was never really on our radar. We were supporting our friends there, but it, it wasn't something that, and they were a, kind of a part of a church planning team that we didn't know exactly what that meant. It wasn't anything that we'd been a part of, but but yeah, it, it was certainly one of the more clear callings in our life and a, a time where you kind of said, okay, we are either going to obey or disobey here. Like there's not a lot of other ways about this. And so we said yes, and the Lord really began to to shape our hearts and give us hearts for, for Turkey and for the Turkish people. And so we were there with team and really working to see, working towards church planning movements. So connected with kind of disciple making movements type principles and getting coached along those lines. And hmm. so first couple of years, we you know, focused a lot on language and culture, but also plugging in as much as we could with the team. And just, yeah, so just a lot of learning, a lot of building relationships, a lot of, you know, sharing as much as we could. And and then really kind of a couple years in, just uh, I, we were both trained, my wife and I, with to be ESL teachers. And that really started to kind of move to the forefront. And I started actually working as a language coach, working with the worker community in Turkey and really around the world to, to coach people to be more effective, more efficient language learners so that they could get, you know, more quickly into the work that was on their heart of, of testifying and sharing the good news of, of Jesus. And that developed into a website and eBooks and a blog called the everyday language learner. And so a, a number so one was this kind of a shift for us that happened while we were in Turkey towards more of that equipping side, coaching side, and kind of coming alongside the workers. And then we just had some family dynamics, both in our family on the field as well as at home, that kind of led us to begin to, to kind of just ask the question, or, or is, it, is it time for us to return to the States? And so we, we, it was a long season of prayer and trying to figure that out. And, and, and eventually, yeah, kind of came to this place of saying, you know, we're supposed to return, but we're not supposed to really do anything different. So for us, it was much more of a change of address, but really felt like, okay, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be coming alongside missionaries all over the world to help them be better language learners. And, and that through that, it would allow us to really to continue to get back into the Muslim world in particular. And so we moved back in the summer of 2012. And I, I spent about nine months trying to, to build this location-independent business that was going to be our ticket to really stay involved in, in what we were doing. And while the, the language coaching and the writing I was doing was going really well, I was getting up to 30,000 hits a month on my website, and I think you should be able to make a living at that. But the business side of it, uh, I just realized I didn't have the business and marketing acumen to to make a go of it. And so kind of came to that break-even point where it was just like this, you know, we're not making a living and it's not growing fast enough. And so, yeah, that, you know, that was nine months in and I kind of stepped off the cliff into the abyss personally of just like, well, then what, what am I going to do? So. Was that nine months into back in the states? Is that what I'm is back that what I'm in hearing? the states? Yeah, so, okay, yeah. yeah. And so you you were in Turkey, and you felt like you wanted to come back. You had a change of address, but you still wanted to 
be involved and you, you're working on this business makes perfect sense. Yeah. But you're in yeah. South Dakota, not exactly the hotbed of connecting with people, <laughs> with, yeah. with people ministering yeah. to Muslims. So what, what was it? What was up with that? Yeah. So, well, that was, that's where family was and it's okay. where we'd been before. And, and really the people I were, I was connecting with were all over the world. And mm. so I was, I was coming along agencies trying to, to, to kind of be of service to agencies and then to missionaries. And, you know, I was coaching people in China and Turkey and just really all over the world, stateside, getting ready to go. So the location wasn't nearly as important. It was really an online platform. And so I was, that was really, yeah, the, the, the gist of it was, it was all online and it was really trying to resource the missions community and offer just, yeah, ways for people who were learning language to, to, to do better and to get more quickly to that place that they wanted to get, which was being able to communicate the gospel. So, yeah. So I, I would imagine 30,000 visits, it's kind of per month on your website, but not really seeing the traction that you're wanting. I'm, I'm assuming there were some conversations with God about how did those conversations go? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was it was that it was like Lord. I, I mean, part of it was it was this piece where this was it wasn't always all just about a you know a living. It was mm. this was the mechanism through which we were going to be able to stay connected with Great Commission work, and we were going to be able to get back to Turkey. And it was as much for you know my wife and my family as it was for me. And so when that kind of was just like it, it wasn't just like I've spent four years creating this and I'm, it's going to, yeah, it's not going where I wanted it to. It was Mm. really a, a bigger dream than that. And so it was, it was, it was this Lord, did I, you know, did I do something wrong? Am I, and I realized now that it wasn't, that there were so many important lessons that the Lord was, was teaching me through all of that and so much preparation that he was working into me for what I'm doing now. And it was, it was kind of like, walking down a spiral staircase and it it looks awful dark and you don't know where you're going but then you get to the bottom and you turn on the light and you're like oh this is where i was this is where the lord was bringing me <laughs> so yeah it was just that that was a, a long two three months of conversation and then and then the door opened for that the lord really began to say well here's here's actually where i've been bringing you so yeah interesting yeah I, so i'm interested to know how that transition how, how that transition went and how God led you toward what you're doing now. Yeah. Well, you know, when we came back from, from Turkey, you know, one of the, in all of that, I was pretty focused on getting the language learning stuff going. Hmm. And, but amidst all of that, at the same time, just this, you know, pretty clear recognition that the church, at least in the upper Midwest, just wasn't really prepared for Muslims in particular moving into the neighborhood. And just a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of hard conversations you'd have with people where you're like, man, like, <laughs> like I'm reading the Bible and I'm seeing that we should be loving these people and not, you know, spending all of our time worrying about whether we should even want them here or not. And so when, when the business died, and as I kind of put that in the grave, it just really, the Lord really worked in our hearts to kind of help us see that, you know, we'd had a particular experience. We'd lived in a neighborhood of, of Muslim people that were our, you know, 
dear friends. They loved us. They cared for us. In many ways, they were better people than than us. They just they didn't know Jesus, and we just mm. desperately wanted them to you know to 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 respond positively to the gospel we'd been sharing with them, and we wanted others to be able to 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 catch you know that same vision. And and that was our experience. But you know, as we interacted with the church, we realized they were having a vastly different experience. That their worldview around Muslims was being shaped by something else. It wasn't positive. It wasn't. It in my mind, it wasn't terribly biblical. It was. It was fear-inducing. It was. You know, it was leading to something other than love, joy, peace, patience. You know, yeah. it was leading to to fear, to contempt, and 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 so. Yeah, there was just a moment when the Lord just really kind of spoke to my heart to kind of to say, hey, you need to have compassion on the church. They haven't had the same experiences you've had, and they need someone to 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 shine a light on what I'm doing and what I want to do. And so that began kind of a, a new journey of saying, okay, Lord, how can we be just your servants to help the church move from apathy, from fear, from at times contempt, to engagement with just Great Commission kingdom work so that Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, animists that are moving into our our cities, that are coming to our universities, will have an opportunity to hear the gospel. And and that led us to, to, you know, we we found Crescent Project online, and it was about mobilizing the local church, and it was just exactly what the Lord was putting on our hearts. And so that's when we, we kind of stepped into the role of being a South Dakota area coordinator for Crescent Project. So Cool. Yeah. Before we hit that, I'm wondering, can we take just a quick pause? Because I would imagine that some of the people listening right now might benefit from hearing a quick conversation about how you would talk to somebody who you're, you're wanting to share a biblical foundation for how to view this. How would you share that? Yeah. You know, I mean, around... It's always every 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 conversation. It's always kind of gauging yeah. where someone's at, and so it's it's asking questions and listening and and finding out. And you know, in general, it's just taking people back to scripture and saying, "Look, like you know, people like, well, what would Jesus say to a terrorist? Well, what did he say to terrorists? He said, <laughs> Follow me. Yeah. Like that's what he said.' You know, the Apostle Paul was he would have been a you know, a case study of what an ISIS member looks like. He was going around arresting, seeing Christians killed. And Jesus said, you're going to be my instrument to take the gospel forth. And so, you know, it's it's a lot of just helping people kind of go back to scripture and ask that question, like, what's shaping my worldview? Because if it doesn't look like scripture, something else is is shaping my worldview. And I I want to help people explore that and be able to kind of identify what 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 what's forming them. Mm. And so, you know, the book of Jonah is a great story to to take people to. You know, Jonah he, nowhere in the book of Jonah does it say that Jonah is afraid of the Ninevites. He just has contempt for them. He's he's watched a daily, you know, dose of the nightly news. They're bad evil and he wants nothing to do with them being saved. And yet God's just like like Jonah, I'm not too concerned about what you want. I am going to save these people. And you can either get on board with that, or I'm just going to keep dragging you <laughs> out of the ocean. And and so it's just that, just like, look to the church. It's just like, look, God's doing something. The question is, are you going to 
Are you going to be a part of it? Mm. And I, I don't want you to miss out on what God's doing because, I mean, we look around the Muslim world, more Muslims have come to faith in the last you know, 20 years than in the previous 1400 years combined. God's on the move and he's, he's going to be on the move. And I just keep, want to continually invite people to say, look, whether you currently have a heart that wants to be involved or not, you don't want to miss this one. You don't want to be on the other side of this because God's, he's going to, he's going to do his work. And so it's just, yeah, just inviting people into that. And, and mainly, yeah, just as much as possible, taking them to scripture, the book of Acts, Jonah, just God's vision for all nations, you know, to, to mm-hmm. worship him. So from Genesis to Revelation, you just, you can't miss that. And so part of it's just continually taking people back to the word and, and helping them to discover that for themselves so that they can join in on, with his global purposes. I'm going to break in for just a minute to tell you about our partnership drive. If you're not aware of this, I'm going to ask you as a longtime listener to consider partnering with me in four specific ways. And if you're interested in finding out more about this, you can find it at engagingmissions.com slash patron. And here are the four ways I'm going to ask you to partner with me because I really want to see this show impacting more lives. So here are the four things. I'm going to ask you to hold me accountable to make a show that you're proud to share. I'm going to ask you to look for opportunities to share the show with people that you believe will benefit from it. I'm going to ask you to pray for me, my family, our guests, and our listeners. And finally, I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering financially. If you do want more information about that, again, it's engagingmissions.com slash patron. And for those of you that are following this, I will have one more quick update for you after we finish up our time with Aaron. So you found Crescent Project. What are you doing with them? Yeah, so Crescent Project, really, their, their whole vision is to, to inspire, train, equip local churches to reach Muslims who are coming to North America. So they don't send people overseas. So they've got a lot of resources for local churches to be able to use books. The Bridges study is a six-week DVD study. So really, it's just, I, I'm saying, how can I be a catalyst in the South Dakota region to stir up hearts to see Muslims have an opportunity to respond to the gospel and be connected with a true follower of Jesus. And so it's, you know, sometimes it's meeting with people individually, it's speaking to Sunday school classes and churches and just really kind of coming in and saying, how can I serve to help you guys move from where you're at to a place of more engagement? And every church is a little different, you know, in what what they need and, and where they're at. Some are, they're already involved and they're just saying, help us to do this better. Others are not at a healthy place at all. And it's really, a, you're starting with a lot of heart work and just helping them kind of dig into their own hearts and, and you know, probably go through a, a season of a little bit of repentance and getting, helping them become aware of, of what God's doing and then just giving them the the training and to take that next step, whatever that is. So, wow. So, what what kind of training do you provide? Yeah. Well, so uh, the so out of that, then it became this this journey of really saying, okay, how do we help the local church? And and so fast forward a little bit. A year later, I was invited into some conversations with MB Mission, which is a denominational sending agency. And just saying, how do we help the culture of our churches begin to shift 
you know, toward a greater focus on the Great Commission, on the, the unreached, on making disciples among the least reached locally, nationally, and globally. Hmm. And so those two things kind of, you know, there's just a ton of overlap in all of that. And out of that was birthed this idea of a three-day kind of missional training weekend that, that we've called Everywhere to Everywhere. Crescent Project has a, a, we just came back from their national conference. Every fall, they have a national conference. In the summer, we have a Sahara Challenge. It's a, a really in-depth training for people going to the Muslim world, but it's, it's very specific for Muslim ministry. About half those people are preparing to go overseas. And then they've, you know, the DVD study and things like that. But, but EDE was, is, is kind of, EDE is everywhere to everywhere. I call it EDE. But more of that, like, what does it look like for a group to come from a church to be able to, to, to get some awareness, to, to understand God's heart for the nations, to get some exposure. So we're visiting a mosque. We're going out to eat at a couple of different ethnic restaurants. We're, we're going to an immigrant church service on a Sunday morning. And to give some real training and equipping. So training around cross-cultural ministry. So just introducing ideas about, you know, when we're connecting with someone from another culture, how do we, what do we need to be aware of? And how can we most of, more effectively share the gospel cross-culturally? Training around Islam, giving people an understanding of, you know, what, it, what Islam is, who are these people, what do they believe, where did it come from, and some basic principles about how we would build relationships, and, and a lot of just lowering fear. That's why we visit the mosque, to really kind of demystify some things. And then we do just gospel conversation training and outreach. So, you know, as I began, you know, visiting churches and saying, hey, I'd like to see you guys sharing Jesus with Muslims, there was just this realization of they're not sharing Jesus with anybody. Mm. (laughs) And so I was, I was learning a lot from, you know, our time in Turkey around disciple making movements. And then, and coming back, I got connected with the No Place Left Coalition and so we've, we've taken some of the, the, the elements of that the No Place Left Coalition is doing, where we're training people, simple, reproducible trainings around who do we share with, what do we share, when are we going to do it? And then we, we take people out into the neighborhoods, into diverse neighborhoods throughout the Midwest, knocking on doors, just saying, hey, we're here in the neighborhood wanting to be a blessing. Is there any way we could pray for you? And really helping people learn then to discern you know, how did, you know, when do you just brush the dirt off your, the dust off your hands and move on? And when do you continue to, you know, pray for someone and then share your testimony, share the gospel, and really just trying to see what, what's God doing here and how do we continue to step into it? So that, that's kind of what the, the EDE weekend developed into. And so, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun to, to invite church groups, multi-generational church groups into a three-day kind of, it's part short-term missions trip, it's part training weekend, it's part just vision casting and Bible teaching to give people a, a clear sense of God's heart for the nations. Wow. That, that sounds like an awful lot to pack into one weekend. I'm wondering, as you've been doing these for a little while now, what kinds of transformations do you see in the lives of the people and the lives of the churches that get involved? Yeah, you know, the this, you know, it's one of those things where you, you do these events the first couple times, and I don't remember who it was, but someone was a revivalist oh, a couple hundred years ago, and he gave a revival, and 
the guy came up to him and said, how did it go? And he said, we'll see in six months. Mm. <laughs> and, and I think there's, you know, there's a, there's a bit of that reality. You never really know how, you know, like people get excited in the moment, but does it move to transformation? So like earlier this summer, I, I was emailing with a past participant and he's just like, hey, Aaron, you need to know that we've been going out knocking on doors in our community ever since our time at EDE. And it's just, we're inviting more and more people from our church into that. We're, you know, they're, they're starting to, they've got a Muslim community in their, in their, in their city that they're beginning to, to kind of dream into, okay, how do we, how do we enter this, this field, this community and, and have opportunities to build relationships and through those to be able to share the gospel. And so it's those stories that really kind of, well, one, they make it worth it, you know, to see people kind of catch a new vision. And, and it's, it's a shift in paradigms, right, in, in a lot of ways around their understanding of the Great Commission and their understanding of, of Muslims in just, you know, the reality that sharing your faith in Jesus, sharing the story of Jesus, you know, I think a lot of times people come in with a fear, like, I could never, you know, if I share with somebody, it's just not going to go well. And you know, you ask them, well, tell me about the time it didn't go well. And mm-hmm. they can't tell you about it because they, they just have never shared. They just, they've been living under the weight of a myth that says, boy, if you have conversations about Jesus in America, it's just not going to go well. And so being able to get people out into the neighborhoods and getting them into conversations about Jesus, and it, it's just really fun to have people come back and say, wow, like, I, like, yes, that was really amazing. And we want to do more of that. And so kind of just helping peel that off is, is in and of itself, just really exciting to see. It's just, you know, when we go out knocking at doors, it's, it's always this beautiful thing that before we go out, there's a palpable tension in the room, right? Like we're, we're praying together. We've, we're reading through Luke 10 and just talking through the principles that we see in, in Luke 10, Jesus sending out the 72. And there's just this, you can almost feel the fear in the room, right? Mm-hmm. And then we go out and then we return. And it's always someone says, does anybody notice the difference in the room? And and there's two things that always happen. One is that that, that myth uh, that it's going to be this terrible thing to share your faith with somebody has has been kind of destroyed. And then two, I think everyone kind of thinks, you know, of course God can use me. But when God actually uses them in the harvest, it's it's just really life-giving. And people are just so excited that, and sometimes it's like, it's knocking on the door. Uh, there's a couple that went out. They, they, there's an, an older gentleman in his garage. He's recently widowed. They just spent an hour with him, just loving on him, talking with him, and realizing this man is desperately lonely. And we're the first people that have come and stopped by his house and just spent time with him. And it, and it, like for this, this, it was two, two ladies that had gone out and they were just like, so they, like, they didn't even, it's not like they got to see him come to faith or anything like that, but that they, that God used them to encourage him to just to show his love to him. It just, it gets people really like, excited as it should right when we step out in faith and god shows up that's something to get excited about and i it's just too many people don't experience that because they aren't stepping out in faith and so that's you know we're just excited to be able to kind of push people out into the harvest in ways that you just know like okay if god doesn't show up it like 
it could go bad, but I'm just, they're trusting that he's going to show up and he, he does. So yeah, it's, it's exciting to see that. If you were able to look forward a decade or so and see with the eyes of faith, what you would hope to come out of the work that you're doing with Everywhere to Everywhere with Crescent Project and with MB Missions, what would you hope that to be? Yeah, you know, I think just that the church would be mobilized. You know, when I I start so often with groups, we just walk through the brutal facts. You just take any statistics from any you know, Pew Research or any of these places, and the, the the lostness around us, even in the United States, is just so great. And I think people just don't know it, and they don't realize it. And we're, the church is just, in, in a lot of ways, just kind of doing business as usual. And so my prayer is that the church would really just, that there would be a, a shift in vision, a shift in paradigms, that the church would begin to live as as a missional you know, outposts in their neighborhood where training and equipping and reaching the lost and inviting them into the community of faith would just be really at the core of, of what we do as, as church. And that, that, that transformation of, of lives would lead to transformation of communities of, of whole regions. And I just, yeah, that's, it's my heart that, that I could be a, just a small part of really helping the church begin to, to, to reclaim her true identity as, as Christ's ambassadors and witnesses here in, a, in a, just a desperately broken earth. Yeah, that, that kind of thing obviously requires the will of God, and I don't want to diminish that, but are there any other things that are required of us in order to see that kind of thing happen? Yeah, well, so a couple things. One is, I think, you know, and I I sometimes think about Luke 10 and Luke 15 and John 15 is this. So Luke 15, we have this clear picture. Jesus is like three stories in a row. This is the father's heart for the lost. He's going to leave the 99. He's going to, to go after the one. He's going to tear apart the, tear apart the house to find the lost coin. He's the prodigal father going after the prodigal son. And then John 15, this, this piece where like our call in order to live effectively into that, is to is to abide with the Father and abide in Christ, and that there's there's this place where we need to learn to live in the I, tension's not quite the right word and balance isn't quite the right word, but with those two things as kind of the posts that we're holding on to, and you know I know for myself I've sometimes swung between those two, like sometimes I'm way out on like just go after the lost, and other times I'm. I'm in this almost monastic type of season where, where I'm just like, I just got to connect to the Father. And, and I think sometimes I look at, you know, and then there's other times in my own life, and I think that I look at the church where they're really just kind of in this malaise in the middle where we're not really going after either of those. And so just that the church needs to really understand those two things, that like the Father is desperately going after the lost. Like this is the story of the entirety of Scripture you know, I, I think that, you know, all of human history is bookended by Eden, right? Like Genesis 1 and 2, it's the perfect place of community, of unity, of love, no sin, no shame. Genesis 3 happens and it's Satan invades, right? And we live in that, you know, in that now. And that, that all of scripture is this rescue mission leading to Revelation, you know, 21 and 22. It's, it's, it's like the restoration, right? And that we are invited to be a part of that, that, that whatever we're doing, wherever we're at, 
that Jesus has an invitation for us to discover our assignment, the things that he's created for us to do before time began as part of that rescue mission. And, and so I think there's, there, that's kind of the, the, the core point. And then there's just the practical things. I was up at a, doing a spiritual emphasis week at a local Christian high school, and we, we went through all this you know, training of, of equipping them how to share the gospel, who to share with. And I just said to them, look, by the end of our time together, I want to be absolutely certain that the only reason you are not sharing the good news of Jesus with others is because you are disobeying Jesus, hmm. right? Because there are reasons. If people aren't equipped like if someone told me, go change the alternator in your car, like that's not fair. I, I don't even know if I could identify the alternator, right? <laughs> like I would need someone to, to equip me to do that. And so I'm like, as churches, are we equipping everybody in our churches to, to share their story, to share their personal testimony, to share a simple gospel presentation? Are we equipping them to understand who are they supposed to share with? Right. And, and then, you know, there's this talking to these high school kids. A lot of them are like, well, I'm not qualified. And I'm like, like, I think you're qualified. Like the demoniac, Jesus just cast the demon out of the, this guy in the Gerasians. And the guy's like, can I go with you, Jesus? And Jesus says, no, go back to your village and share what God has done for you. And like, it, so if you're less qualified than him, then maybe we can, you know, we can have a discussion about qualifications. But, you know, so for these high school kids, it's like, I just had them all right in the side of their Bible. I am qualified, mm. you know, because we know Jesus. He's saved us. He's, he's done things in our life. We have scripture. It doesn't require a seminary degree to, to tell people what God has done for us. And so I just, it's kind of my goal is to make sure that the church has no excuse that we are equipped that we have clear vision, that we understand that we're qualified because the spirit of the living God lives in us. And so, yeah, that equipping piece is another piece that I think is, is part of that as well. But so those are kind of some thoughts around that. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit more about that equipping piece and what you'd like to see come out of that. Well, yeah, you know, I think uh, a big piece is just, so one is, a, I think with, whenever I talk with people, I think one is awareness. So sometimes people just aren't aware. Like they kind of, I've talked to people who think, well, there's, you know, everybody around me knows Jesus. And I'm like, well, do they? Like, like, what is that? You know, they say they're a Christian. Well, okay. But are they, are they far from God or near to God? Oh, well, they're not near to God. Well, then maybe they need, you know, Jesus's heart that they would be near to God. So there's an awareness mm. piece of helping people understand the lostness in our own communities, but, and then the lostness in the world. You know, I just listened to your, your interview with Mike Falkenstein. And oh, yeah. Talk about 42% of the world has never heard the gospel. They've never heard the good news of Jesus. Like, and I think you said it, it's 3 billion people. Yeah. That's unacceptable, right? So there's starting with just this an awareness to help help people's hearts begin to be broken for lostness. And again, there's a part of that that just comes back to prayer. Like I can't make people. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. We can mm-hmm. we can we can make them aware. We can show them the numbers. We can tell them stories. But so it's a it's just a prayer of mine for the church in general. It just that there would be a brokenness for lostness that would reflect Luke 15, you know? And I just tell people like, read Luke 15 over and over again. Just say, Jesus, give me this heart. Mm. Help me to have this heart for those who, who don't know you. 
So it starts with awareness and then just helping people understand, you know, who they should share with. Because I think sometimes, you know, they, they hear me talk or, or, or someone who's the, you know, in full-time ministry and you're, we're talking about going all over the world and they're like, well, I can't do that. And it's just like, well, but you do have a relational network. You know, when Cornelius saw a vision of an, ang- an angel, he called all of his family, friends, and neighbors around. And so I'm always, you know, one of the things I train everybody to do, I learned it from the No Place Left Network, is just to make a list of, like, take some time, make a list of everybody you know that's either a family member, a friend, or an acquaintance who is, that you think is probably far from God. And then just commit to pray for them daily, whether you need to set an alarm or put that on your mirror or I put mine on the dashboard of my car. And so when I have a commute, I'm kind of just glancing at that and just praying through that list every day. And so that's, you know, so now I've got a prayer strategy and I've got, these are the people that God, he's put them in your life for a reason. It's not a mistake that your neighbor's your neighbor. Jesus wants to use you in those realms. And then it's helping people understand what to say, you know, that we have to demystify sharing the gospel and help people understand how to just be in conversation. Part of that's just, you know, I think taking people out with us and, and just showing them a uh, part of it's giving them tools. We teach everyone how to share a 15 second testimony. We use the three circles gospel presentation to teach people how to share the gospel. So, yeah, I, I just, yeah, practical, reproducible tools that that we can train the church to use, that we can train. You know, I always think my son's 14, my daughter's 12. Can if 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 they can't do it, it's probably too complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, like obviously we need theologians to help us understand some big things, but my kids should be able to share the gospel with their friends, and they should be able to to know how to read scripture with them and share Bible stories with them and invite them to follow Jesus. If if the if the man who recently had legion cast out of him of demons can go out and tell what what God has done for him and Jesus has full expectation that he's going to do that i just think we need to f- figure out ways to help our you know our brothers and sisters in our local churches be able to do the same you've been incredibly generous you've really laid out a bunch of stuff turning the tables how can we best pray for you yeah you know I, i'm really excited about the fruit of of everywhere to everywhere to this point, it, it's a new thing though, and so it you know it's not nobody not a lot of people know about it, and so I I, just, I really appreciate being able to to be here and you know people to hear about it, but I just I my heart is to see more you know, small groups from local churches be able to come to E to E to learn some of these principles to get exposure to some of these things and then take them back to their home church and say hey let's let's do this together. You know, this, the way this gentleman that emailed me did, he took it back to his home church. He's, he's inviting people to, to go out prayer walking with him. He's inviting people to come to meet Muslim friends in their community. And that's really the heart of it. And so I just would love prayer to just for, for insight and vision for myself to know how to help the EDE training weekends to grow for new locations, to be able to, 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 to come up. We're doing them in Sioux Falls and Wichita now, but really would love to be able to just go anywhere with it and be able to train as, as many people as possible. So I'd love prayer around, around those things. Wow. For those of you listening, I would like to encourage you 
just take a minute. Go ahead and pause the recording. Take a minute and pray for pray for Aaron and his family and the ministry. I know if you're like me, it's really easy to forget. So I'd encourage you to just do that. Then come on back and visit the show notes. We'll have links so that you can connect with Aaron and all of that other stuff. Aaron, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for this opportunity. If you've been following the show for a while, you may want an update on what's going on as far as the developing partners and growing the show. So I want to do that as as an exercise in accountability. So first off, I just want to say, if you're invested in this, if you're praying and sharing the show, I want to say thank you. I've got a little bit more insight after the update that I also want to share with you about that. But here's what's been happening over the last couple of weeks. I've had several people reach out to me for encouragement and feedback about the show. If that was you, I want to let you know that I greatly appreciate that. I've had a couple of people reach out to me with book ideas that I'm considering as part of the content for the show, trying to read the books first so that I can make sure that I'm doing the right thing with those. I've also got some ideas for additional ways that we might use things like books and resources. I'm just kind of trying to think through how to do that best. I also have a former guest of the show that I'm trying to get back on for a quick update just to kind of find out what's going on with him because there's been a lot going on in his ministry. And then also, as I'm recording this last week, I had a about a 30-minute conversation or so with a gentleman who leads another ministry. He's actually a missionary in residence, and we're looking for some ways that we can partner together so that I can use this show to help raise the visibility of what he's doing, and he can also help me in terms of reaching other people. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because I think that there's an opportunity for us to connect with more people. I think that's really great. I've also seen on a on the financial front, not so much an increase in, in people committing to fund the show, but I have had an increase in people reaching out to me for work on editing their podcasts. And I see that as an answer to prayers, yours and mine, because I recognize that sometimes, most of the time, God's provision comes dressed in overalls and looking an awful lot like work. And also, I'm kind of excited about this because it's not specifically in the, quote, Christian market, if you will. It's an opportunity to meet a variety of people, and I'm looking forward to that as well. And I do still have a a single financial partner who's working with me on funding the show, and we're still sitting at about 300 to 400 downloads per episode. So, Not necessarily seeing a lot of growth there, but this is one of the things that I've been seeing as I've kind of been pursuing this. I I think, and this is my apology to you, I think I've been focused a little bit too much on the grand vision, if you will, in in terms of trying to reach more people. And I maybe haven't been focused enough on just caring about you. So if you felt that way, one, I'd love to hear from you so that I can communicate with you directly and say, hey, you know, I'm sorry about that. But the other thing is, I would love to have your feedback about how to best approach this because many of you already have experience with building relationships and fundraising, and that's something that's brand new to me. What does all of this mean? Well, speaking frankly, I don't know exactly, but one thing I do know is that while I'm looking forward to the additional work, I'm also a little bit pressed for time, and I'm speaking frankly, I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to get it all done, and I would very much appreciate your prayers on that front because I really believe that God's doing something and I want to just stay in lockstep with him so that I can make sure that I'm doing the right thing at the right time and honoring him and not neglecting my family, not neglecting you, and certainly not neglecting my relationship with him because that's the important thing. I was reminded as I was reading a book, one of the books that's potentially coming up for an episode about 
the idea of pursuing vision or pursuing calling. And sometimes we get that backwards and we don't really focus on developing our relationship with God. And the way this book was putting it is, you know, sometimes maybe that calling is just to focus on that relationship with God and see where that takes you. So that's what I'm trying to walk out. That's where I am in the show. I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate you being here. And I appreciate you reaching out to me and sharing. Would love to hear more from you. Feedback at engagingmissions.com is the best way to reach me. My thanks one more time to Aaron for being with us and also to you for joining us. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Aaron Myers. That's A-A-R-O-N-M-Y-E-R-S. Engagingmissions.com slash Aaron Myers. Or if you're listening in your favorite podcast app, there's a really good chance that you can tap or swipe or click through to get right there to those. And if you happen to be listening in an app that doesn't allow you to do that, please shoot me an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. I'd be glad to help you connect with an app that will help you get to the show notes in case you want to find those resources. Make sure that you come back next time. We're going to be hearing from a German about church planting over there. And you might even hear me ask a question that seems a little bit silly to him and reveals a little bit of my American heritage, if you will. So you'll want to stick around for that. If you don't want to miss that. The best way to do that is to subscribe to the show. If you haven't already, visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. Choose your favorite podcast app and subscribe right there. And please help me understand how I can improve the show and serve you better. Send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com and just let me know one thing I can do better or one thing that you would love to see more of. One more time, thanks for being here. I really look forward to connecting with you in just a couple of weeks. 